February 8th, instantaneous and insistent, insistent sanctification. The moment you ask the Lord into your life, if you really did, instantaneously you were sanctified. If you never moved another muscle, never did another thing, if you died in that moment, you would be set apart to the Lord. Because of the choice that you made. Insistent means you need to keep reaffirming that choice in every thought that you have thereafter. So just because you were sanctified in the moment, it doesn't mean you're now good forever. You have to be insistently making sure you're doing it again and again and again and again. And if you're not, you're right back to the nature world before you decide to ask the Lord to become the Lord of your life. So without it being insistently you know, followed after and followed through on, you got nothing. Now, what more sore punishment, right? Hebrews 10, you thought would be worthy of you that put the, the Son of Man under your foot. Did you decide to go back and do whatever you wanted to go do? And you brought shame and despite to what he had done. Thought, wow, I really put it that way, Pastor. That sounds stupid. Yeah, it does. It's very stupid, right? But the challenge is, what are we finding out? What are we doing, right? When we pray to be sanctified, are we prepared to face the standard of these verses? Are we prepared to realize that he wants to sanctify you completely holy and get it all done, but he can't, okay, unless you're willing to let him do it every moment of every day? Just as it is, you know, just the, I, I did it right once. Did it right once doesn't mean nothing. It ain't once, if it ain't once and for all where you continuously do it right, what good did it do for you? It set a standard up to prove that you can, but it also set a standard up that, that it's very proof that you don't want to. And which one do you think you're going to be judged by? Yeah, whether you wanted to or not, right? We're prepared to face the, sta the standard of these verses. We take the term sanctification much, much, much too lightly. Are we prepared for what sanctification is going to cost? It will cost an intense narrowing of all of our interests on the earth and an immense broadening of all our interests in God. All of a sudden, the, the things of this world, the things of this earth, don't matter to us all. All I got to know is, no, I want to know him more and more and more and more. And he's got enough, enough facets. You know what a facet is? You got a diamond, has got all these pretty facets. He's got enough facets on there to keep you busy for the rest of your life. He's got stuff he'll teach you for, from now till, till eternity. I'm still learning. <coughs> Why? Because I'm, I'm a student of him. I want to find out the most I can find out about him. Well, that doesn't ever stop. He constantly is bringing revelation upon revelation. And because he knows I love the revelation, he constantly has to revelation for me. You say, well, he doesn't for me. It's because you've never been concerned with revelation. Because even when he didn't reveal it to you, what'd you do with it? You spit on it. Instead of doing what he showed you, you decided to go ahead and do whatever you want to do anyway. Sanctification means an intense concentration on God's point of view. It means every power of body, soul, and spirit chained and kept for God's purpose only. Chain yourself down to make sure you don't go do something other than that. Are we prepared for God to do in us all that he has separated us for? Are we prepared for him to be able to, to, to do the things that he's got set you aside for? Here's the crazy thing. You have no concept of what he separated you for. You have no concept of your kingdom destiny because you don't give a shit. So when I ask you, are you prepared? The answer would be hell no. You don't even know what it is. You'd rather pout. 
You'd rather figure out how to run your own game, right? You'd rather stand still, wait for, wait for something, a, a sign to tell you what to do next instead of get up and do the next thing. Geez, Danny, you just stand there. Do you learn anything? If you just stand there, no, you got to keep going, don't you? Yeah, there ain't no standing there. You stand there, does he, he doesn't stop teaching, but he just, you stop being in a way where he can. He never stops going. He's always walking. You're walking with him, but you're not walking. If you're not walking with him, yeah. the revelation stopped. Why? Because it's a still, small voice. And then all of a sudden, you start making up your own shit, your own mind, which is what Glenn Jackson was talking about, where the stuff inside of her head starts to become louder than his still, small voice. And next thing you know, you're right back to the, the counterfeit life of you trying to pretend you're a Christian, and you're not. And then, after his work is done in us, we prepare to separate ourselves to God, even as Jesus did. So, once he's got you separate, are you ready to make sure that you keep yourself separated? For their sakes, I sanctify myself. I keep myself set apart and set apart and set apart. Set apart for who? For all of your sakes. So I do nothing contrary to that so that you have no reason to say, think this can't be done. No reason for you to say, well, he's not doing it, I'm not doing it either. Doesn't mean you don't all judge me by your nonsense. Okay? But doesn't, I, I would like for you to prove any of that nonsense. That's what I'd like you to do. And you can't. And the problem is, the only reason you do it in the first place is you give yourself an excuse to be who you are instead of being what you ought to be. Right? Yes. The reason some of us have not entered into the experience of sanctification is that we've not realized the meaning of sanctification from God's standpoint. Sanctification means being made one with Jesus so that the disposition that ruled him will rule us. So the same thing that helped Christ be who Christ was will help us be who we're supposed to be. But you've got to be willing to let it. Right? Are we prepared for what that's going to cost? For me, what do I have in my life that I care about? Paul says the best. I count everything in my life as manure, as dumb. doesn't matter to me that I might win Christ. Money, jobs, deals, none of that matters. All the fancy things in life, nothing. Now what matters is... On that last day, am I going to hear good, well done, good and faithful servant? That's all that matters. Why? Because this life is like over. And then I've got eternity after that. So I want to now make a big deal out of this life and make myself you know, feel like I've got something here and miss that? You're out of your dang mind. Ain't nothing wants me to miss that. Eternity is all that matters. And this season is to prepare you to get ready for eternity. And what are you preparing yourself for? I mean, should say eternal life, because you're preparing for eternity either way. But eternal life. Because all the nonsense you're pulling, if it ain't for, if it ain't for eternal life, living in light of Christ, it's eternal death. The eternal lake of fire. Just for you. Because somehow or another, you couldn't find yourself worthy of getting up and doing what was the right thing to do. What was that one movie we watched? Frozen 2? Yeah, do the next right thing. I mean, the whole world's teaching it everywhere we turn. And what, you slow? You a little dense? A little thick? Everything's teaching you that and you're not listening? Oh, it sounds like a great, it's a great idea. I like it, Pastor, it's what you say. Yep, it is what I say all the time and you don't listen. And that's the only way it's going to work for you. It's the only way it's going to work for anybody, but... I, I'll, it's working for me. All I know is that's that's the main thing. I got to do it first. You know that's what it says a husband needs to be the first to partake of his own food. I got to make sure I'm doing it before I can ever expect anybody else to do it. And you're so busy trying to judge whether I'm doing it than doing it yourself. 
when if you did it for yourself, you'd know what was really going on. There's revelation I can give you right now that would blow all of you out of the water. And you know what you'd use it for? Personal, in, personal intellect. You wouldn't let the Spirit of God speak to you at all. And so I'm not about to teach you the next revelations. I'm not going to put my pearls before my pigs. I'm not going to do it. And I got things that would, will set you apart and put you on a track for eternity that you wouldn't even believe. And I can't even get you to show up for school. And you think I'm going to, what, go ahead and share this stuff with you? God's not going to let me do that. God says, you've got to be a good steward of what you've been given. What, what kind of a steward have you been of what you've been given? If you're a steward of little, it'll make you a steward of much. If you're not a big, remember, remember the talent story about the 10, the 5, and the 1? You're all the ones with the one. You've got the one in your hand. What do you do? You're so busy holding on to it. Put it in your backyard. Do whatever you do to make sure it doesn't go anywhere. Stand in the doorway. You're afraid to lose that one. He's going to come back and say, excuse me, that's what you did? Give that to me. You're going into a journal leg of fire. I'm going to take that and give it to the one that had the five or the ten. At least they went out. You could at least put it on interest. Could at least try it a little bit, but you didn't. So I'm going to take it back and I'm going to give it to somebody else that is worthy of that. You go, well, no, that's not who I want to be. Well, I appreciate that's who, not who you want to be, but that's who you're being. So if your stewardship isn't correct, what makes you think you've got anything else coming? Do you think those parables are there for just some, some pretty story or some cute little, you know, uh, uh, story told to, uh, for bedtime or for a church service? Do you think it might be true? Well, let me clarify. It's true. And what's sad, it's going to be true for some of you. Because of what you're doing. You're watching the whole world fall apart out there. And what are you doing? Acting like a bunch of fools. Well, that's fine. So when you get paid as a fool. No. You did that. And you did it on purpose. Because it wasn't like I didn't try to talk you out of it. I didn't try to help you. I didn't do everything I could do in my power. To try to coerce you. And, and, and coax you out of this mess. And you just keep standing there. Wasn't, wasn't for me not telling you the truth. So if you hear the truth and go, geez, what do we do? You're still just frozen. Okay, be frozen. Maybe it'll be the best part of your life to be frozen out and burn, burn to hell later. Maybe that's the concept, right? Sanctification means being made one with Jesus. So the disposition that ruled him rules us. Are we prepared for that? It's going to cost. It's going to cost everything that is not of God in us. Are we prepared? To be caught up into the swing of the prayer of Paul, of the Apostle Paul's. Are we prepared, Lord, make me as holy as you can make a sinner saved by grace. Jesus has prayed that we might be one with him as he was one with the Father. And the one and only characteristic of, Je of the Holy Ghost is a man in a strong family likeness to Jesus Christ. And the freedom from everything else that is unlike him. Amen. Are we prepared to set ourselves apart for the Holy Spirit? And his ministry or his ministration through us? Good question. Huh? Turn to the book of John, Gospel of John, and go to verse chapter 17. Starting verse 6. Interesting. Jesus' prayer for his disciples. So may, maybe I should go to the next one, what talks about, well, I can't do that either because that's Jesus' prayer for believers. <laughs> I'll stick with disciples because I, I, I want to talk about this. He prayed for himself, he prayed for his disciples, and he prayed for the others that want to be believers. I guess he didn't bother to pray for those that are. John chapter 17, verse 6. I have manifested your name unto the men which you have given me out of the world. Yours they were, and you gave them to me, and 
I have kept your word. Now they have known that all things whatsoever you have given me are, of the, are, are from you. For I have given unto them the words which you gave to me, and they have received them. And they have known surely that I came out from you, and that they have believed that you did send me. I pray for them. I pray not for the world, but for them which you have given to me, for they are yours. And all mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. And now I am no more in the world, but these are in the world. And I came to you, Holy Father. Keep through your own name those whom you've given to me, that they may be one as we are. While I was with them in the world, I kept them in thy name. You that gave them to me I have kept, and none of them have I lost except the son of perdition, that scripture might be fulfilled. And now come I to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they might have my joy fulfilled in them. I have given them your word, and the world, world has hated them, because they are not of this world, even as I am not of this world. I pray not that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from evil. They are not of this world, even as I am not of this world. So sanctify them through your truth, because your word is the truth. And you have sent me into the world, even so I have also sent them into the world. And for their sakes I sanctify myself, that they also might be sanctified through the truth. I do what's necessary to help them find that truth. To set them apart. Romans chapter 8, verse 28. We know that all things work together for the good to those that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. Those that are in his camp, in his car, right? He takes care of them. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn of many brethren. So moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called, whom he called, he justified, and whom he justified, them he also glorified, brought them home. What should we say to these things? If God's been going to be for us, who can actually be against us, right? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with them also freely give us all things? Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifies. Who is he that condemns? It is, not, is it not Christ that died, yes, rather, that is risen again, and is, as even at the right hand of God, who makes intercession for us? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution, famine, nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Knowing all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, angels, principalities, powers, things present, even things to come, nor height, death, or any other creature is able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So Christ and God have done the right things by us. And nothing can separate us except us walking away. Romans chapter 15, verse 14. And I myself also was persuaded of you, my brother, that you also are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, able also to even admonish one another. So nevertheless, brethren, I have written the more boldly in you in some sort is putting you in mind because of the grace that is given to me of God, that I should be a minister of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles, ministering the gospel of God, that the offering of the Gentiles might be acceptable, being sanctified by the Holy Ghost. 
I have therefore, whereby I may glory through Christ in those things which pertain to God. For I will not dare to speak of those things which Christ has not wrought by me to make the Gentiles obedient by word and deed. I'm not going to twist your arm. Through ministry, through mighty signs and wonders, by the power of the Spirit of God, so that from Jerusalem and round about to Lycrium, I have preached the gospel of Christ. Yes, so I have strived to preach the gospel, not where Christ was named, lest I should build on some other man's foundation. But as I have written, to whom he was not spoken of, they shall see. And they that have not heard shall understand. For which cause I also have been much hindered from coming to you. The enemy has tried to stop me from doing what needs to be done many times, right? 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 2. So under the church of God, which is that Corinth, to them that are sanctified by Christ, they're called to be saints, with all that in every place call upon my name, or the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, both theirs and ours. I pray that grace be to them, peace, from God the Father, from the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank God always on your behalf for the grace of God which is given to you by Jesus, that in everything you are enriched by him in all utterance and in all knowledge, even as the testimony of Christ is confirmed in you, so that you come behind in no gift, waiting for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall also confirm unto you the end, that you may be blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful, by whom you were called into the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9. So know ye not that unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? So be not deceived, neither fornicators or adulterers, adulterers, idolaters and adulterers, nor effeminate or abusers of themselves of mankind, nor thieves or covetous, nor drunkards or revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. But you've been washed. But you've been sanctified. You've been justified in the name of the Lord Jesus by the Spirit of our God. The question is, what are you doing with that? 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14. So I pray that you be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has the righteous with unrighteousness? What communion has light with darkness? What concord or, or, or agreement as Christ with Belial or Satan, what part as he with believes with an infidel who believes not? And what agreement with the temple of God with, has with idols? For you are the temple of the living God, and as God has said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and they shall be, I shall be their God, and they shall be my people. So therefore, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. And will be a father unto you. And you shall be my sons and my daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Amen. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. Blessed be the God, the Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. According as he has chosen us and him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Having predestinated us, the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will. So his plan is to get you there according to his will to do that. You just like kick it against the pricks, I guess, huh? To the praise and the glory of his grace, wherein he has made us accepted in the beloved, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his, according to the riches of his grace, wherein he has 
abounded towards us in all wisdom and prudence, and having made known unto us the mystery of his will, where it is abounded towards us in all wisdom and all prudence, having made known unto us the mystery of his will, he made known unto us according to his good pleasure which he has purposed in himself, that at the dispensation of the fullness of times he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and those that are on earth, even in him, in whom also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things after the counsel of his own will, that we should be to the praise of his glory who first trusted in Christ, in whom you also trusted, after that you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and whom also after you believed you were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise, which is the beginning or the down payment and earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession, which is under the praise of his glory. Ephesians 5, verse 22. Going back to talking about families. Wives, I want you to submit yourselves under your own husbands, but I want you to do it as under the Lord. We want to know why marriages don't work? Here's why. You want to know why relationships in here, when I'm trying to teach you about marriage, about what it is to be married to God, you know why it doesn't work? Because you won't submit yourselves under the Lord. You keep wanting to do your idea of marriage, not his. You keep wanting to do things your way, where you want to do whatever you want to do, then you wonder why marriages don't work. Because both parties are supposed to be humbling themselves before one another and taking care of one another. For the husband is the head of the wife, Jesus Christ is the head of the church, and he's the savior of the body. Wherefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of the water of the word, that he might present to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy without blemish. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loves his wife loves himself. For no man ever hated his own flesh, but nourished and cherishes it, even as the Lord the church. For we are members of his body, his flesh, and of his bones. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother, and shall be joined unto his wife, and the two shall be one flesh. This is the great mystery. But I speak it concerning Christ and the church. Marriage according to Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife even as himself. And the wife see that she reverence her husband. Practice these things in the natural. I told you all this when we started this whole concept of marriage in here and how to be married to one another and married into God and how it would help, help further and perpetuate your relationship with God because you begin to practice it amongst one another here. And what'd you do? You took this thing and put it in a ditch. You wrecked it. Well, I pulled it out of the ditch. I rebuilt the damn thing, but I'm not sure to give you the keys. Because I'm not sure you go, won't go wreck it again. Because I see your behavior. You're lost because you don't know how to wreck anything right now. All the stuff you did to wreck it, you still want to do. Then what makes you think I'm going to give you the keys to the car? Not going to happen. If I don't see effort on a part of saying, I want to get right, stay right, and be right from now till eternity, then there's no car going to be driven by any of you. You can't practice marriage in amongst here, what makes you think you can say I do to somebody and, and do it right? We're given an example to love, love our husbands and our wives as Christ of the churches, as you know, we have reverence unto God. And I'm telling you right now, I've seen the world and seen it happen for years, and there's no reverence out there whatsoever. None. Ah, once again, I'm going to tell you, I'm giving you examples of that too. And you still won't follow, will you? 
I've shown you over and over and over again what that looks like to love somebody that way unconditionally, and you still will give yourself over to that. Even as you're starting to maybe start to come to know the Lord, you're still afraid of that side of your life because you still don't know what to do when God's made it clear what to do. Why should you be afraid of yourself and these things if God has ordained these things in your life to grow you up and teach you what you need to do? Teach you who you need to be. The problem is, you ain't got yourself under any kind of management. Got yourself under any kind of subjection. And you're not going to be able to, to walk with God and not be in subjection. If you're not in subjection to Him, your body's going to do whatever it wants to do. Romans 7, good luck. Have a good time. Okay? Because you're going to be a hot mess from now until the end. Or, bring your life and your body into subjection. Then it might bring honor and glory to God. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 1. Furthermore, we beg you, brethren, and exhort you by the Lord Jesus, that if you have received of us how you ought to walk to please God, so you would abound more and more. For you know that the commandments we gave you by the Lord Jesus, for this is the will of God, even for your sanctification, that you should abstain from fornication or idol worship. For every one of you should know how to possess this vessel in sanctification and honor. Not the lust of concupiscence, sexual desires, even as Gentiles which know not God. But let no man go, and be, go beyond and defraud his brother in any manner either. So it's not just about sexuality. It's about your life being given unto God and not having lustful, you know, selfish natures. Because that, the Lord is the avenger of all such. He's the also forewarned you and we've testified. For God has not called us unto unclean, uncleanness, but he's called us to holiness. He therefore that despises, despises not man, but God, who has also given to us his Holy Spirit. But as touching brotherly love, you need not that I write unto you, for you yourselves are taught of God to love one another. And indeed, you do it towards all the brethren which are in Macedonia. And we beg you, brethren, that you increase more and more, that you'd study to be quiet, to do your own business, and, mark, and work with your own hands as we commanded you, that you might walk honestly between them that are without, people that don't have stuff you've got to help them out, and more importantly, that you would never have lack of anything. Jesus said that you brought everything into the house and did what you did. Those that had much would, would not have lack, and those that had nothing would not, would not go without. So that's the mindset. Where is that in our life? Or are we still trying to do, you know, live above and beyond and try to outdo everybody here? I'm working my tail off right now and doing some things, okay? That stuff's all going to come in. Who gets to benefit from that? Everybody. Verse Thessalonians 5, 14. And now we exhort you. Brethren, warn them that are unruly, comfort the feeble-minded, support the weak, be patient towards all men. See that none render evil for evil unto any man, but ever follow that which is good, both among yourselves and towards all men. So rejoice evermore, pray without ceasing, in everything by giving thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you, the giving thanks for everything. Quench not the spirit, despise not prophesying of somebody telling what's coming. Prove all things, make sure that they are proved unto, unto the Lord. Hold fast that which is good. Abstain from all appearance of evil. And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. And I pray God your whole spirit and your soul and your body then be preserved blameless until the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because faithful is he that calls you who also is capable and will do it. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 verse 13. So we're about to give thanks always to God for you brethren beloved of the Lord because God has from the very beginning chosen you to salvation. Through what? Sanctification. Sanctification of the Spirit and the belief of the truth, 
wherein he called you by the gospel to the obtaining of the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. Wherefore, brethren, stand fast and hold the traditions which you've been taught, whether by word or by the epistle. Because now our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God, even our Father, which hath loved us and has given us an everlasting consolation and good hope through grace, he'll comfort your hearts and establish you in every good word and in every good work. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1. Now the Spirit's going to speak expressly that in the latter times, some shall come and depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron, forbidding to marry and commanding to abstain from meats which God has created to be received with thanksgiving of them which believe and know the truth. For every creature of God is good and nothing to be refused if it be received with thanksgiving. For it is sanctified by the word of God. So if you put them in remembrance of these things, you shall be a good minister of Christ, nourished up with the words of faith and of good doctrine wherein you have obtained. But refuse profane and old wise fables and exercise yourself rather to godliness. For bodily exercise is going to profit little, but godliness will profitable into all things, having a promise of the life that now is and that which, was, that which is to come. This is a faithful saying. It's worthy of all acceptance. For whether, therefore we labor to suffer reproach because we trust in living God, who is the Savior of all men, especially those that believe. These things I want you to command, I want you to teach. I want you to be very serious about these things. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 14. So these things, again, I want to put your remembrance, charging them before the Lord that they would strive not about the words or to no profit, but to the subverting of the hearers. You're just going to mess people up. Study to show yourself approved unto God. I work when they need not to be ashamed, rightly divided the word of truth, and shun profane and vain selfish Balance, they are going to increase more and more ungodliness. More and more people are going to talk about stuff they have no business talking about. And their word will eat as does a canker or a, uh, 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 a moth or what they want to call the like, worms, whatever. But who, Hymenus and Philetus, who concerning the truth of error, saying that the resurrection is past already and overthrew the faith of some. So nevertheless, the foundation of God is still going to stand sure, having this seal. The Lord knows them that are his, and let everyone that names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. But in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also wood and earth, some to honor and some to dishonor. So if a man therefore will purge himself from these wrong things, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified, set apart, and meet and ready for the master's use, prepared for every good work that he wants to set us up for. So Hebrews chapter 2, verse 9. Well, see, we see Jesus who's made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and crowned with honor. That he by the grace of God, should taste death for every man. For it became him for whom all things and by whom are all things, in bringing many sons to glory to make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings. For both he that sanctifies and they that are sanctified are all one, for which cause it's not to be ashamed to call them brethren, saying, I will declare thy name unto my brethren in the midst of the church, will I sing praise unto thee. And again, I will put my trust in him, and again, behold, I and the children which God has given me. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 7. For then said I, lo, I come in the volume of the book as is written to me to do thy will, O God. Above what he said, sacrifice and offerings and burnt offerings and offerings for sin, I would not. Neither had pleasure therein, which are offered by the law. But then he said, lo, I came to do thy will, O God. He takes away the first that he might establish the second by the which we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all, that every priest stands daily ministering and suffering, <clears throat> offering oftentimes the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. 
But this man, after he offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God. From henceforth, expect, expecting till his enemies be made his footstool. For by one offering he has, prevented, he has perfected forever them that have chosen to be sanctified. Whereof the Holy Ghost also was witness to us, that after he has said, for after that he has said before, this is the covenant that I will make with them in those latter days, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their hearts, and in their minds I will write them. Their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more. Now, where the remission of these is, is there is no more offering for sin. We have the right and righteousness of God. So, having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiness by the blood of Jesus, so by the new and living way which he has consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say, his flesh, having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for it is he that's faithful that promised. Let us consider one another to provoke into love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another as so much more as you see these days approaching. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 2. Elect, that would be us, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, through sanctification of the Spirit, and through obedience and the sprinkling of the blood of Jesus, grace be unto you and peace be multiplied. Blessed be God the Father, the Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again into a living hope by the resurrection of his Son Jesus from the dead. To an inheritance that's incorruptible, it's undefiled, and it fades not away. It's reserved in heaven just for you. Those of you who are kept by the power of God through faith and the salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Wherein you greatly rejoice, though now even for a season, if need be, you are in heaven as through manifold temptations. That the trial of your faith being much more precious than that of gold that perishes, though be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and to glory in the appearing of Jesus. Whom having not seen you love, and whom thou you see him not yet, believing you rejoice with a joy that's unspeakable and full of glory. And you receive the end of your faith, even your salvation of your soul. First Peter chapter 3, verse 8. Finally, not finally, but almost. <laughs> be of one mind, having compassion to one another. Love as brethren, be pitiful, be courteous. Not rendering evil for evil, nor railing for railing, but contrarywise, blessing. Knowing that you were called thereunto, that you should inherit a blessing as well. For he that will love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil, and his lips that speak no guile. Let him eschew evil and do good. Let him seek peace and ensue it. For the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. Oops. Right? And who is he that will harm you if you be followers of that which is good? But, and if you suffer for righteousness' sake, happy are you. So be not afraid of their terror, neither be troubled. But sanctify the Lord in your hearts, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asks you the reason that you have hope meekness and fear, having a good conscience that whereas they speak evil of you as evildoers they may be ashamed and falsely accuse your good conduct to Christ. For it's better for the will of God be so that you suffer for well-doing than you would suffer for evil doing. For Christ also has once suffered for sins <clears throat> just for the unjust that he might bring us to God being put to death in the flesh but being quickened by the spirit but which also he preached even to the spirits of prison sometimes for disobedient when the long-suffering of God waited in the days of Noah while the ark was being prepared, wherein a few, that is, eight souls, were saved by water. The like figure wherein even baptism also does now save us, not the putting away the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience towards God. 
by the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who's gone to heaven and is on the right hand of God, angels and authorities and powers being made subject to him. So it's not that baptism doesn't clean you up. It just says that you're willing to go out there and make an outward expression of an inward work that tells the other people you want to be a Christian so they can help, help you know, encourage you and keep you accountable for that life you so decided to live. So 1 John chapter 3, verse 1. Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knew us not because it knew him not. Beloved, now are we the sons of God. It does not appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And every man that has this hope in him purifies himself even as pure as he was pure. Whoever com commits sins transgresses the law, for the sin is a transgression law. And he knows that he has manifested to take away our sins, and in him there is no sin. So whoever abides in him sins not. Whosoever sins has not even seen him, neither has even known him. So little surely let no man deceive you. He that does righteousness is righteous, even as he is righteous. He that commits sin is of the devil. For the devil sins from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. So whosoever is born of God does not commit sin. For he is a seed. For his seed remains in him, and he cannot sin because he is born of God. In this, the children of God are manifested, the children of the devil. Whosoever does not righteousness is not of God, neither is he that loves not his brother. So for this is the message you've heard from the beginning, that we should... That we should love one another, not as Cain, who was of the wicked one and sl slay his brother. Therefore, you know, why did he slay him? Because he was own works were evil, and his brothers were righteous. So marvel not, my brother, if the world hates you. We know that we have passed from death into life because we love the brethren. And he that loves not his brother abides still in death. So whosoever hates his brother is a murderer. And we know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. Hereby we perceive the love of God because he laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren too. But whosoever of the world's good and sees his brother have need and shuts up the bowels of compassion from him, how dwells the love of God in him? My little children, let us not love in word. Let us not love in tongue. Let us love in deed and truth. And hereby we know that we are the truth and, that, and shall assure our hearts before him. For if our heart condemns, God is greater than our heart and knows all things. But beloved, if our heart condemns not, then we have confidence towards God. And whatsoever we ask, we receive of him because we keep his commandments and we do the things that are pleasing in his sight. And this is the commandment that we should believe on the name of the Son of Jesus Christ and love one another as he gave his commandment. And he that keeps this commandment dwells in him and he also dwells in you. Hereby we also know that he abides in us and we know that by the spirit which he has given to us. And that's your message. The spirit of God is trying to do a work. The question is, are we going to let him? Are we going to continue to walk through these things and be outside of the realm and walk with God the way we need to? Or are we going to continue to do the things that are contrary to what God has taught us? He's teaching us continuously. Standing still is not one of them. He says, stand, your, stand still and set yourself in Him. But standing still isn't setting yourself in Him. You're standing still because you're scared. You're standing still because you don't know. You're standing still because you're not sure. That's not setting yourself in him. So standing still, he doesn't mean stand in the doorway and wonder what to do. He says stand in the doorway and make sure you know what to do by seeking after him. And knowing that he's going to deliver you no matter what. You put your, you put your best foot forward. You start walking the way you want to walk. He will guide you and lead you. He's, he, he is everywhere in scripture told you, I'm going to make you acceptable in my son and my beloved. I'm going to make you that way. Just come on and let's go.
question is, what are we going to do? We're going to sit around and get busy? And a whole bunch of stuff in this world, this world's falling apart at the seams. Everybody's dying because they have no hope. But we've got some hope. We're going to sit there and ignore it? Or are we going to get caught up in what God's trying to help us with and, and start becoming men and women of God that, that the lives that we have might minister to those that are lost right now? You know, I don't know about you, but I, I didn't get saved just to, to keep it a secret. I got saved to live it out loud. I live mine really, 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 really out loud. And I was hoping to pray that maybe some of y'all might join me. Um, better yet, then, then maybe you probably, probably, probably don't want to ever be caught in public with me because I'm going to make an ass out of you. Okay, I'll embarrass the heck out of you. Because I'm not going to play games. I have every reason to love the life that God's given me. And I'm going to make sure that everything about it is about Christ. And I heard lots of people talk about it. Lots of people want to give credit to God and glory to God and all sorts of things. And it doesn't take but a minute before their true nature shows up, you know, in any conversation, any situation. And I'm the first one to go, well, I appreciate that, but that's not God. So let's, not, let's not do that, okay? Let's talk about this instead. You've been sanctified the minute you make a choice. But are you going to be insistent about it? Make sure you stay sanctified. Are you going to go about your own ways, do your own will, do your own things, and wonder, you know, how that's going to work out for you? Probably not going to be in the long haul the right thing. Probably not going to be what you're really looking for. I, you know, that's something you might figure this out before you die. Okay, I just soon you figure it out now. Because why waste another minute of time? Why waste another moment of life not righteous? Because once you become righteous, once you figure out that's what you need to do, you're going to have, have to look back at all the things. You're going to have to learn how to forget all this. These moments that you had chances and you didn't pay attention. These things that have been given you over the, the years that I've had you. And all the mistakes you made while, while you were here and how it's time to turn that around and live this life right. It's not complicated. It's not even really difficult. It's just not you. It's him. Father, we come before you and say thank you, Lord, for this time. Ask for God, your spirit move and mold and shape each and every one of us. Lord, that you be glorified, we be high and lifted up into your presence. So we give you thanks, Lord God, for all the things that you're working out in our life, all the ways you're moving and, and molding and shaping us, that we can become more and more like you. And Lord, that we would uh, quit being dull of hearing, and we quit being blind, Lord God. We open up our, our eyes and our ears and our hearts to see and hear and understand all that you have for us, Lord God, because I know that's what you desire to do. And you're willing to do if we would just be willing to show up and allow you to. But it's all about us being open to allow you to make the changes necessary in life to live this life set apart, truly sanctified and separate in the gospel. So we give thanks, praise, honor, and glory for all these things and ask blessings upon the lives of those that are going to make that effort in Jesus' name.